It's time for the Contempo Coding Podcast. Discussions, knowledge, and insight to help you succeed in the medical coding industry. And now, here's your host, Victoria. Hey there, coding crew. It is Friday, and that means it is podcast time. And I am so excited because this week I finally hit my goal. I wanted to get it done by the end of the year, but it happened earlier than I thought. I am finally monetized on my YouTube channel. Now, for those of you that don't know, in order to get monetized on YouTube, there is a certain threshold that you have to meet. One of the criteria is that you have 1,000 subscribers, which I've had 1,000 subscribers for the past month and a half or so. And the second requirement is that you have to have at least 4,000 watched hours within the past year. So I finally hit my 4,000 watched hours and now I am running ads on my YouTube channel, which is so great because it brings in a little extra income to help pay back, I guess, myself for all of the equipment that I've bought and editing software. And of course, all of the time that goes into doing the editing and uh, putting together all of those materials so I can kind of help everyone else out. This week, I did a continuation of my CPC review information, like some of the stuff that's commonly missed on the CPC exam. So I covered thoracoscopies and colonoscopies. And I think next week I am going on to some of the vascular structures. And then after after that, I'm going to get into the test taking strategies, like the process of elimination and how to kind of... um, look at the answers versus starting at trying to read the three-page operative note that they gave you. So I'm really looking forward to kind of wrapping that series up. I think it's been doing really well. And, uh, you know, if anyone has great ideas of things that they want me to cover, I am certainly open to ideas of things that are, are requested. I have a huge list, huge list of things to uh, cover in the next, you know, gosh, I could probably go two years recording videos. And some of these, I just, I get so passionate about them as I'm writing them out. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I wish I had the time. I would do three or four videos this week. One of the things that's on my list that I really want to cover, I think in the next couple of weeks is how I failed my way into medical coding. I was watching a really interesting stream today that was discussing about handling your failures. And as I was kind of thinking back on some of my past failures, I realized that it was all of those failures that led me into getting into medical coding. It was because I failed classes in high school and wasn't a good student, that I had to go to community college, that I dropped out of community college, that I lost my job. And I really want to go in depth and talk about that and how all of those, those failures wound up resulting in a huge success, uh, a great career, you know, national attention, national speaking engagements, you know, loving what I do as a content creator and loving what I do as a medical coder, auditor, educator, et cetera, et cetera, all those other things that I do. Now, one of the other videos I did this week was on LinkedIn. And that was something that was on that big master list I have of, you know, video ideas. 
but uh, I, it wasn't super high up there because Tony L. Holmes covered it so well on the Alpha Coding podcast, like tips for LinkedIn mastery. But I was asked to kind of talk about LinkedIn and I thought, well, you know, I will go through like the step-by-step tutorial of how to start and where to put things. And I think there are even a couple of concepts that now even looking back, I'm like, hmm, probably could have elaborated a little bit more on that. Like I talk, I forgot to talk about adding your credentials to the end of your name on your LinkedIn profile. So that's one of the unfortunate things about YouTube is if you forget something or miss something or have to take something well, I, you can you can take out sections. You can edit out sections without having to uh, delete and re-upload the entire video and lose all of those views and things. But you can't you can't edit things. So if you accidentally call something the wrong word, like you can't go and edit the video and re-upload it, which is a pain in the butt. Because there's been a couple of times where I've gone to edit something, and I think one case I said uh, CPT was current procedural. Uh, something else. I didn't say terminology and I went, oh my God, I can't upload this if I <laughs> if I accidentally flubbed what CPT stands for. We're in an industry where when people see your mistakes, they like to get very vocal about them to show how smart they are. And, uh, you know, some people are, are uh, a little above and beyond where they should be about that. And thankfully, I don't get a ton of trolls or a ton of spam on my channel. I think I've gotten, you know, a couple of people that have said some not nice names towards me and I catch them pretty quickly and just delete them out. I don't have time to really worry about if someone on on the internet thinks I'm ugly. So, you know, I don't have time for it. I just I just delete them and move on with my day. But going back to YouTube... One of the requests I had afterwards was in regards to recruiters to connect to. And, you know, I'm a little reluctant to just give the names of the recruiters, not because I don't think they uh, would be reluctant to connect with people or would be upset, but because I always worry that people don't understand the job of the recruiter and they feel that they could potentially just message these people and go, hey, I'm looking for a job. Can you find one for me? And there are recruiters that do that. But when you see these recruiters that work for recruiting companies, recruiting firms, uh, they're part of a recruiter for that healthcare organization, that hospital, um, that billing company like Imagine Solutions, they hire a ton of coders. And I know a couple of recruiters, or at least I've connected to a couple of recruiters from Imagine Solutions. You know, they, they their job is not to find you a, a job. Occasionally, they'll be kind enough that they'll kind of work with you. Um, but here, here's, here's where we have some issues. So earlier uh, this week on Facebook, I am part of the Professional Coders of Central Pennsylvania Facebook group, and I saw a message on there that someone who belongs to that local area said that they were approved in the organization that they worked for for 26 coding positions. And I knew someone who said, oh, you know, I have a friend that's looking for a coding job recently. And I thought, oh, well, this is great. This is not too far off, even though they're remote positions, like it, it might look better that she's kind of in the area. So I sent it over to her. And then very shortly after, 
It was posted on the public AAPC group. It was posted on a couple other AAPC groups. Just, hey, I have these 26 remote positions for the organization that I work for that are now approved, and we're looking for these type of coders. There were over 600 comments of people dropping their email address, asking for the email and the information to be considered for this job, over 600 people for 26 positions. And I have been seeing on LinkedIn lately an unfortunate amount of almost like recruiter hate or angst towards recruiters, comments about, hey, recruiters, stop treating treating people like numbers. Hey, recruiters, don't just ghost people. Hey, recruiters, um, you know, it's not nice to just send people form letters. Why can't you personalize all of these applicants that you spent all this time working with and da 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 Okay, two things I'm going to say on that. Number one, six hundred people commented in regards to one post about some open positions. While I understand that it may be very upsetting when you don't get a job, I I really feel for these recruiters because I can't even imagine how much they are getting bombarded, how many applicants they're working with, how many messages they're getting. They I can't even imagine have time to respond to the plethora of applicants and jobs. You know, they don't have, they're not sitting around waiting for messages. They're not sitting around, you know, hoping that someone's going to go, oh yeah, hey, I'm a medical coder and I need a job. And they're going to go, oh great, because I have one open. You know, if, if you can imagine that that one post got 600 people, you know, if a recruiter has five, six, seven different postings that they're working with, they are dealing with a ton, a ton of submissions, a ton of applicants. And I saw someone post something on LinkedIn just today, and I had to screenshot it because it was very, very true. And I won't read the whole thing, but it says, um, I was ghosted by somebody I offered a job to last week. And this is from a recruiter. I sent a reminder and now I've offered the job to somebody else. It works both ways. And whoever you are, your time is just as valuable as anyone else's. So this is going on both ends. You know, there's there's applicants that are quote unquote ghosting recruiters. And there are recruiters that are quote unquote ghosting applicants. And it, it I, I don't think that it's often quite as intentional as people want to make it out to be. And I just don't get why there is so much angst on these on these recruiters, because I'm sure they would, I would, I'm sure that they would love to have the time to just sit down and, you know, discuss job potentials and, you know, what your skills are with every single person that reaches out to them or every single connection that they have. But there is just such an abundance of applicants, I really don't think that's even feasible. Now, granted, if it's someone who they've had multiple interviews with for the same position, then yeah, that might be something to uh, send something a little bit more personalized with and not just go quote unquote ghost them or send them a form letter. But 
you know, these recruiters are not responsible for finding us as medical coders jobs. Granted, there are recruiters that can do that. There are recruiters that can find you a job, but, you know, it's usually not just out of the goodness of their heart. Oftentimes, it's because you have paid them. I've actually had some acquaintances that have paid very significant money to headhunters to try and find them jobs and actually have been unsuccessful that have still even come out of it without a job just because I guess the job skills that they have weren't desirable in that location. Now, I would say it's probably a little bit more gentle of a thing if you have one specific organization that you really want to work for, like maybe if there's a big local hospital or healthcare organization in your area, or you want to work for uh, one of these organizations that hire a lot of, you know, uh, remote coders, like like a Harmony Healthcare or something, and you're like, hey, you know, I really want to work in specifically for your organization, because I've heard good things, and reach out to that recruiter, you know, that's a little different, I think, than just going from recruiter, recruiter, recruiter to recruiter saying, hey, can you look at my profile? Can you look at my resume? I'm looking for a job. I really need a job. I just graduated with medical coding. I got my my apprenticeship status. And, and I really need a medical coding job. I was told that in my school, they said that all I need to do is get my CPC certification, and then I get a coding coding job, and I can't, and I, you know, <laughs> they can only do so much. So while I think it's absolutely crucial to set up your LinkedIn profile and crucial to connect with these recruiters, I think it's also crucial to develop the appropriate relationships with these recruiters. You know, uh, some of these people will send six page letters just uh, telling their whole life story about how they got into medical coding and why they got into medical coding and now they can't find a job and their rents due. And, you know, as much as I feel bad when I get those emails, I'm sure the recruiters feel bad when they get those kind of emails. But, you know, as it is, there's just so much going on. We can't, (laughs) we can't um, save everybody in the entire world. I was watching, of all things, a Twitch streamer channel and I've, I've been very fascinated by these Twitch streamers. If you're not familiar with Twitch, it's a platform where people basically play video games online and they stream their playing their video games. And some of these people that have cool graphics and are just really charismatic and play the game well and talk and manage the chat, they are making significant amounts of money doing this. So I'm trying to piece together like what it is that they're doing and is there anything that I can take away from that to pull into my own industry. And this particular popular streamer who apparently is making tens of thousands of dollars a month versus through various income streams was discussing the failures of some other streamers that don't have the income is because they are running their stream like a charity and not like a business. And I found that very, very um, poignant. The examples that he kind of gave were that, you know, these people are streaming and they're dependent on people who are fans of the stream, essentially donating money to them through like a Patreon uh, or through other means like that. And instead of doing things where they're providing products, providing merchandise, providing, you know, downloads, providing 
uh, YouTube channels, having sponsorships. They're just like dependent on someone else giving them money. And, you know, that was very relatable for me because, you know, I... I also feel the same way, like I'm not here running a charity, I'm here to run a business. And even though it is a currently small part-time business, it is still a a business. Uh, As much as I would love to sit around and give everyone free CEUs and free everything, you know, at the end of the day, this is a business and I have to think of different ways to run the business. My YouTube channel, thankfully, you know, doesn't require a lot of extra gear right now. So... I'm at a point where the amount of money I'm predicting that I'm going to make is, you know, going to be uh, profit for the most part. But then I also have just to mention, you know, while we're on the subject, uh, I do have merchandise. I have a hashtag medical coder t-shirt that you can buy on my website on contempocoding.com, which you've seen me wearing in my videos. I have a keep on coding on t-shirt. And then I have some hashtag medical coder mugs and some other stuff that definitely go, go to the website and check it out. Um, cause they're, they're really cute. And I think the, the hashtag medical coder t-shirt in particular, I just like, I'm such a fanatic of it, which is why I've been wearing it so much lately. And they are really good quality t-shirts. I'll tell you that. But I think in healthcare, we neglect to notice sometimes the things that are going on in other industries that we can really learn from. We've just been kind of so stuck in our ways for a while that uh, we don't realize how technology is evolving outside of us. And I think I think the Twitch thing is interesting. Now, I don't plan on buying myself a gaming chair and doing the weird green screen thing and like inserting myself into the CPT book, which I've seen some people do. And I just don't, I don't think that's the right format that I want to do. And also, you know, there are a couple of legal considerations with the AMA book being copyrighted. And the AMA doesn't particularly want you showing off their entire copyrighted CPT book. But yeah, moral of the story, don't box yourself into medical coding in the belief that you have to do things the way they've always been done. There's standards that we've used for webinars, there's standards that we've used for how we present information, how we present articles, that we've been doing it for a substantial amount of time, and it's getting pretty outdated, and other industries are doing way more innovative stuff than is going on in healthcare just because we've been kind of stuck in our standards. So don't be afraid to start trying out some new things that are already tried and true and successful in other industries. And if you have things that you look at and you go, this needs to stop, maybe try and back them up with some thoughts on how to fix that. Because it's easy to say, hey, recruiter, stop doing this. Hey, recruiter, stop doing that. But it's hard to go, okay, recruiters, this is what you should do instead and how you should handle having 2,000 emails a week of people that are looking for medical coding jobs. There just seems to be a lot of angst going on on LinkedIn these days. And I'm sure it's just a lot of fuel of the pandemic and then people just not using it uh, as a professional business site and then others having to comment about the fact that people aren't using it as a professional business site. So what I would like to do is challenge all of you. I'm going to challenge you this week to try to post positive 
uplifting content, not just criticisms, not just here we go again with audits, but something to inspire or at least a suggestion of how things should work better. That is how we are truly going to move healthcare forward. I will leave you with that. I will see you guys next week. And until then, just keep on coding on.